So the fabric is made from a water-soluble polymer mm-hmm. and it ironically dissolves in water after use and it doesn't break down into any microplastics. It doesn't leave any waste behind. They were using it in the med tech space and they were using it for burn victims and wound care dressings. And so it dissolves stuff. in the shower instantly, or Instantly. And it's fine for our waterways, doesn't pollute our waterways, doesn't impact marine life. So it's pretty a remarkable material. So do you have this for Australian territory or no. worldwide? Worldwide. Mate, what are you going to do with it? That is a huge feat. That's Natasia Nicolaou, the 28-year-old who has built her own brand, Conserving Beauty. I'm going to list off some of the things that I am just so proud of her for, and I think you'll get an understanding of why I've invited Natasia on the episode. Her startup is about two years old. She has a small staff. She launched in Mecca, the dream, and she's about to go international. Last year, she took home the Women of the Future Award by Women's Weekly and R Media. She's taken home the Seven News Young Achiever for Sustainability Award. And now she's a finalist in the Telstra Business Awards in three different categories of 2023, which is going to be announced in just a few weeks. She is going to give Saving the Planet a pretty good crack. And with the formulations and technology that she has the rights to in beauty and personal care worldwide, I think that you'll get behind her as well. She took me through how much water is used in the beauty industry. And that's something that I didn't really know about. She's formulated this brand's offering entirely without water. She's got an incredible gaze over her supply chain and every step of the process, which a lot of brands strive for, but can't quite get there. Elle McPherson is on her board, as well as some other epic women. And I'm smiling as I record this because you just have to listen to it. This episode is so juicy and we've all got someone in our life that wants to create something in beauty or is interested in this space. And because of that, I made sure that I asked Natasia all the questions. I literally left no stone unturned. I think I even asked her how, when you're in the lab doing like formulations and stuff, how billing works as an entrepreneur in the startup space. If you love this episode, please hit subscribe, share it with a friend, and most importantly, leave a review so that I know if you loved it, I can keep creating episodes like this one. The podcast has just kicked off again and I need all the love that I can get. We recorded this for one hour and then she had to go to a meeting and came back for what was supposed to be 20 minutes but ended up being another hour and a half because we just get along like a house on fire. The energy behind this brand matches her ambition and I just hope that you love it. Welcome to Process the Podcast. I'm your host, Arielle Thomas, motion director, social strategist as of 2023 and founder of production company Cinema Tom. I can't wait to bring you into the world of my guests, some of Australia's most prolific creatives working in fashion, media and design as we unpack their unique creative process. So talk to me about conserving beauty. Obviously, that's oh. why we're here. And I'm so proud of you. It's Thank you. Fucked. Like the whole thing is just everything. Wait, I'm so excited that you think that. Everything. I'm like, oh, my God, I know her. Oh, don't be silly. <laughs> I feel the same way looking at your beautiful work. That's so not true. We'll get into it. But your career, I think every step of your journey has led to this. I agree. This, um, not this moment. No, like it has. <laughs> I always say to people, I'm like, it's not like I woke up one day and thought, okay, I'm going to start a beauty brand. Yeah. No, definitely not. This has been like eight years in the making. Yeah. Every single decision was like on purpose to hopefully. But even, and I listened to Jem K. Watts's, do we call it Jem Watts, Jem K. Watts, or is that just her Instagram handle? I don't know. I never thought of it. I say Jem K. Watts all Jim the time. Jem K. Watts. <laughs> I like it. So Let's Jim, call her Jim K. Watts. Yeah, I like Jim it. Jim K. Watts, her glow journal. I listened yes. to it, obviously, because I love you both. Thank you. And 
She's a legend. You were you worked at Boost, and then <laughs> I worked at Boost. So, but you were you were manager. I was Boost and girl. So that's a lot of responsibility. How old were you? I was nineteen. That's a heat. I know. Which is actually wild when I think about it now. And I was in charge of rostering and cash, and I did all the banking for them at ANZ. That just shows that you had a lot of something, something going on. I think I was way too mature for my own, (laughs) for my own good. I think the power definitely went to my head. I'd only roster myself on with all of my friends. (laughs) I want the Sunday wage. Thank you very much. I did. I was like, I want this and that. No, I loved it. Honestly, actually, some of those years were the best years of my life because they actually taught me so many things about business. Yeah. You know, you learn to roster, you learn how to manage people. That was my first interaction managing a team. Yeah. Um, Learning how to like do the banking and like when someone calls in sick, what do you do? And dealing with angry customers, how do you calm them down? So it's actually a great experience after thinking about it now. It's so true. You are Australia's first waterless beauty brand. Yeah. Water responsible. So what is that? So what does that even mean? Does water responsible mean that there's no water in the product? So we don't use water in our formulations. We don't use water in the manufacturing process. And then we responsibly manage our water footprint throughout the entire supply chain. So what that means is we have a hundred percent traceable and visible supply chain. So I know exactly where we farm our ingredients, how they're grown, extracted, transported, processed, shipped to Australia, you name it. And then we've worked directly with all of our ingredient suppliers to measure our exact water footprint. So the amount of water that that they use to actually make those ingredients and then to send it here and then we produce everything locally. And so, like, I've been working, yeah, I've been working with a group called the Water Footprint Network and they're in the Netherlands where they're first global beauty partner and we've actually done a research project to measure our exact water footprint so I can actually tell all of our customers in our community when you invest in a conserving beauty product, this is how much water you actually save. Which is insane. Which is amazing. How, yeah. How many players in the beauty industry worldwide do you think have that kind of transparency around their footprint? I don't think, and I could be wrong, but I haven't seen people actively manage their exact water footprint in the beauty industry. I know that the big like conglomerates, um, water's on their radar and they're all trying to reduce their water footprint because how can you not? It's mm. our most precious finite resource and we all need to be conserving water. But I don't know that they have the capacity or the resources or the extent to be able to manage their water footprint along the journey. I think they would have so many different businesses, so many different supply chains. It's, you know, it's a big beast and I think it's really different when you're rooted from inception and when you think about it from the very get-go on how to create a product and that it's rooted in purpose from the beginning. I think that really helps manage it. I think it's different when you're like an indie brand and a startup and you can actively make big change and big differences, be way more agile and nimble along the way. Yeah, of course. So how – so give us a little bit of a timeline of how you've gotten to this point. So where do you want to go? Where do you want to start? Dancing class, Melbourne Girls. Dancing class. Then you moved schools. (laughs) Then you worked at Boost Juice. Then where have you been the past 10 years when I (laughs) ran into you in the bot, at the bot of all places, which I'm so shameful that we were both there. That I was like, I saw you at the bot. Ew, what was it? I actually was just running into pee, so you've got a lot to answer for. I don't know what I was doing there. I don't know what I was doing Anyone that doesn't know what the bot is, it's really fun. But it's just it's hit and miss. It's hit and miss, but it's, it's also just wanker bankers. Yeah, bank. Yeah, I feel that? like I'm the a odd of, one out at the bot. Definitely, I was thinking I'm to definitely myself, the odd one. Out. What is she doing? I don't. Guy? Think, I, I don't know, think I should have been. I know there. that you have a fiance, but mm. when a creepy guy talks to you at the bot <laughs> and is like, "So what do you do? How are you like?" <laughs> actually, no, no, no. I know. Jack, I am da-da-da. I don't know how you would keep up with those conversations. I don't. I kind of just move on. Yeah, I would too. I'm just like, too loud to hear you. Sorry. (laughs) I'm getting a vodka soda. (laughs) So true. So true. I saw you there and we just were like, oh. I know. (laughs) How funny. And then seeing you at the commons in Cremorne when I was working at my last job. 
I was like, wow, what an entrepreneur, what a success story having your own office. I just looked at you and I was like, oh my gosh, she's made it. I just knew, I was like, she's made it, Ariel's made it. But now you have one. Oh. And now we're both here. I know, I was going to say, now we both have them. Yeah. We should just hang all so, the time. <laughs> well, I come to South everyone. I know, all the good. Time. Please come visit. We I have do. a spare spot. Oh my God, shut up. Yeah, no, we have a spare spot if you ever want to sit with us. <laughs> come sit that with us. That sounds ridiculous. <laughs> like, come sit with us. What I mean is, if you'd ever like to join oh the room God. and have a screen, I please, would love come that. sit. <laughs> so I'm trying to get through these podcast questions, but okay. I feel like we're just bantering. Know, we're going to be gas Sorry, everyone. Sorry, 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 sorry. We'll stay on topic. Sorry. Okay. Okay. So, Boost. Boost. <laughs> you said Bruce. No, I was Bruce, like, Bruce, I'm, I'm was he back. at the bar? No. So I worked at Boost when I was at uni. So I studied. Yes. Um, I studied science degree. Mm-hmm. I majored in biochemistry. Full nerd. And then I worked Boosters like a couple days a week. Then mm-hmm. I got promoted to manager. Loved it. I just remember being like, I think I started on like eleven dollars an hour, and I worked my way all the way. I up was to on $20. that at Scanlon. I was yeah. on eleven dollars and ten cents. Yeah, when I was like fifteen. Oh, that wasn't even my first job. I started off like cleaning toilets in a pasta business, five dollars an hour. But no, <laughs> I've, I've come a long way from there. But um, had many many jobs. Yeah. But yeah, no, I loved it. And then I started doing all the banking because I was the manager with A and Z. And then made rapport with them, I guess. And then they were like, hey, you should actually come and join our team. You'd be amazing at telling in personal banking when I was still at uni. And I was like, I don't know anything about So banking. you were the one as a teller. People would walk yes. in. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I You'd moved. be so friendly. I'd love, I think to, so. I'd love you to be my banker. And like everybody else was, you know, way, way, way older than me. I think and just I would grumpy. Have been, yeah. You know. <laughs> Definitely. They're like, oh, great. Who's this chirpy, what annoying young it? girl, ANZ? <laughs> Welcome to ANZ. <laughs> and I loved it. So then I did that for a couple of years to finish off my degree. Yeah. And then I thought, um, and I take on like extra responsibility, extra learning. I then got allowed to like license and give people loans and whatever. <gasps> yeah. I was huge. This is, this is awesome. Yeah. Then I thought, oh, maybe I should do the grad program because um, why not? I'm already here. And then I thought, well, banking's actually not my thing. I don't know why I'd want to do it. Why, why I'd want to delve into that. Mm-hmm. But I was applying for the grad role and my aunt at the time, she was the uh, head of procurement, so they had a buying at Swiss mm-hmm. and she, I'd see her like twice a year, you know, Christmases and birthdays. I always thought she was, oh. yeah, no, we weren't super close, but I always thought she was that cool old aunt who had these like amazing jobs. She always got us the best gifts at Christmas. And um, I didn't actually know exactly what she did, but I just knew that she would be like boss lady and mm. a bit scary, which is funny. And so my sister was working at Swiss. Yeah, with I remember. Her. Yeah. And then they said to me, um, I bumped into them actually one day on the street randomly enough and they were like, oh, what are you doing? Um, and I said, oh, I'm thinking about applying for the grad program. And Fed, my auntie, was like, oh, yeah, you, you should. I know someone there and you, it's apparently an amazing program. But also you should think about applying for Swiss because we've got like a junior spot open up. It's perfect for a grad. It's not like a formal grad role, but basically it's yeah. for a uni, um, you know, student. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, you know, you should apply as well. Your sister loves it. Why don't you apply? And I thought, why not? At this this point, I was like, I'm open to anything. Mm-hmm. I thought, how cool. Maybe I could join their like research team or regulatory quality, go right. down that kind of science road with them. And I thought that probably makes more sense than sticking in banking. I've studied a science degree. They don't really align. Mm-hmm. And so I applied for the job, got it, started immediately. And I remember walking on my first day and I was finishing my uni exams and my boss said to me at the time, he's like, what do you mean you haven't finished your uni exams? I was like, oh, no, they're over the next two weeks. And he's like, what are you doing here? Go home and finish your uni exams because if you don't pass, you're not even going to be able to work here. He's like, stop being a high achiever and just go home. Sorry. And I did. I know, such a such a people pleaser. I was like, oh, I didn't know if that'd be okay. And I thought you'd say I couldn't get the job. Yeah. Oh, please. Yeah. 
So then started in Swiss and then that was kind of, honestly, that was the best decision I've ever made. So now your aunt that you didn't really know that well. Yes. Is your business partner. My business partner, my mentor. So um, did you just fall in love with her role and what she does and her world? Kind of. I was like half in awe, half petrified. (laughs) (laughs) I'm brutally honest. My dad's sister. I'm brutally honest. I thought, like, I remember walking in and she was really well respected, obviously, being so senior. And my sister was really well respected. Everybody loved Alessia. And (laughs) Alessia and I are really similar, but also really different, really different personalities, Mm. but the same kind of values. And I remember walking in and Alessia saying to me, like, don't embarrass me whatever you do, like don't embarrass me and don't sit next to me at lunch all the time. It's weird. (laughs) And then my aunt turned to me and was like, just so you know, we've got really big, um, we've got a really big um, hopes for you here and don't embarrass us and the family and work really hard. Yeah, the pressure was on. I was sweating on day one. And my aunt said to me, you know, I'm the director or head of procurement. And I was like, I don't even know what that word means. And I remember going back to my desk and Googling, like, what does procurement mean? And she'd say all these words and I'd be like, yep, yep, yep. And I'd go Google them. And every night I was on YouTube, like, trying to learn, like, the operation slang, trying to learn Excel. (laughs) Yeah. Because I didn't want to ask her and I was too scared to ask her. what division were you in there? Operations. Okay. So I started off as an ops analyst and, um, like, administrator. Basically, I was just, like, the junior in the team. Right. And... Did a bit of everything. Did a bit of like Excel work, planning, did whatever the COO needed. I was also Mm -hmm. half assistant to him and I loved that because then that gave me kind of a direct in from the get-go and I got to go to board meetings, I got to go to senior exec meetings, I'd take all the minutes and the notes and I just kind of built relationships with everybody and that was the best. And then you were at Wellco. Oh, yeah. And then so how long were you at Swiss? So I was at Swiss for three years. Yeah. Just under. And I had four different jobs. I, got, I kept getting promoted every oh six God. months. Yes, girl. Which sounds ridiculous when I say that. But, but if it's, it's a small company, I small. get it. Yeah. And like I was, I joined and there was like 50 people. And then when I left, yeah. there was a couple hundred and yeah. they had a huge exit. And the family that um, were the majority shareholders, the rings, they're amazing people. Mm-hmm. When they sold, they took a bit of a break. And at that point, um, Stephen and Mike Dampinto, who was the CFO at Swiss, mm-hmm. they decided to kind of join forces and start their own fund mm-hmm. and kind of back the next wave of amazing entrepreneurs mm-hmm. who were doing amazing things in beauty and wellness. Mm-hmm. And so they were partnering up with Fed, who I was at that point working directly for. We were extremely close. I was her right, right. hand. Ethical sourcing, supply chain, product development. Loved it. Loved it. That I feel like is the missing piece that a lot of entrepreneurs that are like, I'd love to start a beauty brand or whatever don't have yeah like your experience i've got all the boring there. side well it's not boring it's fascinating no, it was interesting to me, but i, I joke and say that but i'm like the opposite to like the marketer and the story yeah i've got the opposite experience i'm mm. like i feel like that's like a lot of people that would look at for example like mariana hewitt yes from no i really, from no. summer fridays and all that would just be like oh starting a brand la 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 your experience from the ground up yeah there that you probably didn't even really realize what value it would have for no, now not at the time actually epic. thank you that's like your secret sauce i, I think know. to I, start this engine that you i actually agree have. and i didn't think of that at the time yeah. i just kept going i love this this is so fascinating learning mm. how to make a product from inception learning how to source ingredients what does it mean to have a scalable supply chain like that whole thing i was like wow this is just 
fascinating. Like visiting all the contract manufacturers, working yeah. with the raw material suppliers. I loved it. Right. But yeah. other, but that's so intimidating. Like yeah. I would be on Google being like, derpy derp. How, um, how do I find yeah. this? Like what am I looking for? But you've obviously got this whole world of knowledge. Thank you. About what to look for. Yeah. No, that's definitely my whole experience. But equally I've got my own gaps. Like mm. I'm like, how do you market this? How do you tell people yes. all these things? I've got my own, yeah. you know, Google questions. Don't you worry. <laughs> I spend every night on Google. What don't is worry. 916 ratio? I'm literally like, and digital marketing and ROAS and cost of acquisition. What's like, ROAS? Oh, return on advertising spend. Oh, like ROAS. Yeah. Right. But okay, okay, okay. See, I go Google, the, I go Google other things. Don't yes. worry. Okay, good. Good, good, good. I feel better. I feel like we're no, in the seesaw. Like the everything. Yes. No. So talk to me then about. You were at the foundry. I was at the foundry. But then you – and so – So I left Swiss. So basically yes. I left Swiss, went with um, Mike, Fed and Stephen and there were two others. So it was five of us to set up the fund and then we invested in beauty and wellness businesses. So Elle McPherson's Welco was the first one we invested in. Okay. And what a journey mm-hmm. that's been. So I was at the foundry – um, they've now rebranded. They're called Era. But I was at the Foundry for almost five years. Mm-hmm. And then during that time, I was basically kind of like the liaison between the brands and the fund. Mm-hmm. And then I would do like secondments for each of the businesses for periods of time, whether it was six months, I did a really long year and a half stint at Welco, um, or just even short project work. And I'd go in and help them either fix their supply chain with dual supply, meaning we'd set up a secondary manufacturing um, right. plant for them. I would do their innovation pipeline, work on new product development. I would do a bunch of stuff. So did you work at Welco or did yeah. you work at the foundry? Well, I worked at the foundry, but then I did okay. a secondment with Welco. Oh, so for a period so that's of that's why you were in the office? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. It all makes sense because I, I thought you were in the Welco team. So, well, technically, I, like, yes. yes, technically, yes. During the foundry, actually in COVID, I was working for Welco anyway right. at that point and they actually said to me, can you come on full time? And then I actually moved. So during oh. COVID, I was then working for Welco. Mm-hmm. So I kind of left the foundry, but. Really, it's the same group. And then mm-hmm. I was working for Welco full-time, four days a week, while I pursued Conserving Beauty on the side. And they knew that. I told them I was really honest and open about everything. And they were wow. actually amazing and so supportive. So when did you start working on Conserving Beauty? Start of 2020. Mm-hmm. Start of 2020. So it's been two years. So it's fun now when people are like, I oh, mean, my God, you're on a trajectory. I'm like, I've been working on this for two years. Yes, that's it. But, like, in my industry, films take 10 years to get made. Yeah, wow, like okay. it's two years yeah. at our age yeah. is an incredible feat. Yeah, thank that's you. a big deal. You're like global players. It's like, thank oh you. well. Well, I was going. You don't need to thank me, mate. Yeah, you did it. You're too, like, you're too I'm nice. I'm reciting your CV back here. <laughs> you're too nice to me. Um, no, thank you. Yeah, I've been mean, like actively going at it, working like seven days, morning, nights for two years, probably. That's a lot. So yeah, when did you lot. start? When did you leave Welco and so, just do conserving beauty? So then I was at Welco, loved it. Then I moved down to four days straight away. Mm-hmm. Worked four days for a year, so all of 2020. Mm-hmm. Then 2021, I'm trying to even remember, halfway through the year in about July, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I can't keep going. I need to like soften days. And so I said to my boss, I'm going to leave. Um, in the next couple of months, I'll help you find someone and like, let's work on a really nice seamless transition. Cause I didn't want to leave them in the lurch cause they'd been so mm-hmm. good to me and they're beautiful people. And like, I love Elle and I didn't want to, you know, leave abruptly. So I was like, let's just like phase me out and find someone amazing to take over. And I was like, they'll be mm-hmm. better than me. And don't even worry. And then that just took forever. That took like six months. But, and like we weren't, you know, in fairness, I probably wasn't like, I need to get out. So it was like, it was a very slow kind of subtle six month move. Um, and then I moved down to three days, then two days, then I left officially Christmas 
last year. So the end of 2021. So I've only been employed Amazing. working for myself full time now since January this year. That's epic. Which was scary. Which was so scary. Yeah. I don't know how you feel. I was terrified. I was terrified, but I was creative and the creative industry is very, you don't have any money ever. Yeah. So it sort of comes with the territory. No, I respect it's, you that. Get, you brace yeah. for it and you have to have jobs on the side. Also, video is very lucrative True. in the sense that you could literally just walk up to any restaurant and be, or dentist or anything and be like, hey, I'd love to make video content for you and you can do it. If you're good, it, you can get video work anywhere. Yeah, wow. You don't have to do the work that you want to do. You mm. won't be doing that. But you can still get work. <laughs> you can still, still get work income. and pay the bills. Okay, I'll be good. doing shit I don't want to do if Doesn't that was matter. the case. But, yeah. And okay. also I my parents owning a hotel has opened a lot of doors for me connection-wise mm. and I speak about this very openly on the podcast. Yeah, saying, oh, I've had amazing, yeah. like my aunt, amazing connections. Yeah. yeah. I couldn't be more grateful. And working on the shop floor at Scanlon, Theodore from 15, I was very lucky to be thrust into the yeah, fashion you world. Cool job. I was, <laughs> I was you weren't from- scrubbing toilets. <laughs> I had a dodgy cleaning job. <laughs> and But it was, it just opened the world of how I understood from Shanna um, Bessem who is now amazing. has. Yes. yes. And he really taught me budgets, ROIs, how to move units, Incredible. all of that on the shop floor sense. So now I've channeled all that into filmmaking and I know how to move a unit through yeah, storytelling. So everything comes full circle that way. But as soon as I walk up to a brand like an incredible retailer I just told mm. you about before that I yeah. can't mention, yeah. going to them and saying how many units have you got this worldwide, they're like four billion or something. Like that's I made that up. Yeah. But however many units they've got because it's such a big business. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. And then I they share data with me now and it's that whole thing. I take, similarly to you, I take chapters of what I did and I'm working it into today's Which is so operation. Cool. I think everybody does yeah. that, especially if you've started young. I think you've started young, so did mm-hmm. I. Like we've always worked. Like I can't even remember a time where I haven't worked or had even a week off yeah. or two weeks off. So I feel like you've always kind of evolved and taken like the random learnings. Yeah, totally. I want to dive into so much of the founding and the, everything that you did and this formulation that you've got that dissolves in water. Oh, yeah, Instamelt. <coughs> the Instamelt that's yes. going bloody viral right now and I see it everywhere. Was that intimidating? Absolutely. And how – I want to hear more about the self-doubt within you oh, than the success of, yep, and then we got that. That was amazing. They're great people. Yes, of course they are. But what ha- happened? Did you melt into a puddle? I think if you really – like the real me, like I'm my toughest critic. I'm so hard on myself. I'm like my worst – my own worst enemy, which is yeah. so bizarre because if you know me, I'm like a really upbeat, positive person. Yeah. And I feel like I'd pride myself on like building everyone up around me. But the, the real me, I'm like so, so hard on myself. So the insecurities, like there wouldn't be a day where I wouldn't think like, oh, am I enough? Am I good enough? Am I doing okay? Am I doing everything right? Yeah. Is this and like so self-deprecating to myself, which is awful. Um, But no, it was a real struggle. I mean, for two years, like, yes, now we're seeing the success. Yes, now I've got amazing investors, amazing board members, a brilliant team. Uh, awesome. But for two years, I didn't. And mm-hmm. it was really tough. And, you know, you're going through this in the height of COVID as well. And you're surrounded by people that are telling you, you're not good enough. You should have a co-founder. You're too young. You're not yeah. a marketer. Like constantly being thrown at you externally. Um, mentors said that to me. Family members said that to me. So it's like, you've really got to have thick skin to be able to be like, well, do I actually want to do this? And is it worth it? Yeah. When so many people that I love and respect are telling me, 
don't do this. Yeah, wow. That was really hard. I think that's probably been the hardest thing to date because you kind of have to go through that whole process to be like, well, what actually matters? And like, do I want to create something that has purpose? And do I care if it's uber successful or not? Mm. And do I do I just want to do this for the money? Absolutely not. I think you can't do startup for money because so many things could go wrong. It's such a mm. huge risk. And if anything, if I was in this for money, I should have just stayed in my cushy job where I got <laughs> paid better. No, seriously. Yeah. I mean, I took a pay cut to do what I'm doing. I pay you know, a lot of my team members more than I pay myself because, yeah. you know, they're amazing and they deserve that. But, you know, you really kind of go through the motions where it's like, well, if I wanted like an easier stress-free life, I would have kept my day job yeah. where I could go home and not feel the weight of the world on my shoulders and I don't have to work every weekend. Whereas yeah. that's the life I've chosen now, which I'm I'm good with, don't get yeah. me wrong, but it'd be, it'd be not truthful to say that I don't have my days where I'm like, Oh, gosh. So you're in the hustle. If we had a movie oh, montage of beyond. you, are we in the montage right oh, now beyond. where you're like- I'm in the thick of the hustle. Okay, cool. Yeah, I feel like my two, the two best things I can say about myself is I'm uber resourceful. I will find an answer to anything. I will find someone that's got the answer. If I don't have it, I will find a way and I yeah. won't give up. My hustle mentality, learned that from immigrant parents, of course. Of course. Um, yeah, both my parents were not born in Australia. Both my parents were born overseas. I your mom's American. My mom's American, She's Greek. She's She's the best. So she spoke much. Greek before she spoke English. Oh. Got thrown into school, had, couldn't even speak a word Because she had an American accent. Yeah, she's got an American class, accent. guys. <laughs> I remember. Yes, she's the best. <laughs> but, you know, she literally was just thrown into it, had to work it out. And then my right. dad was born in Rome. He's Italian. And then they kind of, um, they met in the Greek islands, very romantic. Matia. <laughs> Guys. I know. They're not actually together anymore. Still good friends. Still good friends. <laughs> good. Um, but they really were just like full. So they came from them. Oh, absolutely. Like full hustle mentality, mm. owned their own business, <laughs> like came from nothing, not educated, no family connections, really built a network and sacrificed everything to send us to, you know, great schools and have mm. a good education. So for me, doing what I'm doing now, it's so much powered through what they instilled in me. Isn't it amazing? Oh, like I could not let them down. Like the fact that they sacrificed everything to be able to give us these opportunities Mm. to hopefully have a better life. How could I not pay them back with that respect and do something hopefully half amazing with my life? Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. But a hustler family. Oh, they're so good. Yeah. And it's so fun because they they help. Yeah, no, they're great. It's stressful. They're great. It's really stressful. I feel like the – the phone calls that you can make to your own hustle family. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> the things that they will do, the lengths. Oh, the lengths. Like my aunt, my business partner, she's the bomb. She really yeah. is. She's the best. That's like, incredible. And quite rare though that that relationship has flourished in the Flourished. Past. I mean, we've had our own like hiccups, as does anyone that mm. works with a family member in business. But, I mean, we've been pretty solid for the past couple of years and I honestly could not have done it without her. She's the person I call and I'm freaking out and I'm like, yeah. oh, my God, it's the end of the world. Something's happened. And she's like, calm down. You're fine. Let's find a solution. And she really taught me that. So now yeah. when something goes wrong, I'm like, it's okay. There's always a solution. Nothing's the end of the world. We'll get out of it. Wow. Like, we'll get out of anything. So your team and your assembly of the team is yeah. really interesting. You've got how many people do you have in your office? So I've got a team of four. Plus we've got some freelancers and some agencies mm-hmm. and stuff. And then I've got a, four board members mm-hmm. and about five investors. Yeah. So but talk- the people who like do the Your do, day-to-day. My day-to-day. Who have you got? So there's myself. Yes. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> I probably can't like six people. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God, 100%. Um, I've got – we just hired a director of marketing – she is Fantastic. amazing. Her name's Kim. Okay. She we waited a long time to get her. She had a really long notice period because she was at um Netta Porter <gasps> for seven years. Ooh, amazing. La la. And then Mecca before them. 
Okay, great. So, so she, she was, speaks your language. Oh, she's incredible. I remember we found her on LinkedIn and I was like, I just need to work and with her. And she's Melbourne-based? Melbourne-based. Wow. One of the odds, I, I know. know. How good. And so she also took, you know, a huge, huge jump moving from Netaporta for seven years to Conserving Beauty To startup. a startup. Wow. Which is really cool. Yeah, no, Kim's amazing. So she brings 20 years of digital marketing experience that, mm. again, I don't have, so I can stop Googling all that. <laughs> can that. Um, so, she's, so she started. She only has only been with us for a couple of weeks because she mm-hmm. had a really long notice period. Um, and then we've got a marketing manager, Sage. She is she's amazing. She's like famous online. She's got a solid following. Yeah, and yeah, she just signed with following. Project Hutton. She did. Yeah. She had her own podcast, actually. Yeah. Really successful. She's an amazing band. Definitely go listen to them. They're did you poach her or did she come to you through job they're, listing? They're both, actually. Right. Well, funnily enough, I've never actually listed for any job. I've just mm. found my way to people. So her and I met because we got connected through Fed, actually. Okay. Um, Because her and her friend were running their own podcast. They were starting a business and they were trying to work out whether or not to raise capital and actually go mm-hmm. do it full time. And so we met through that process and really just connected and hit it off. And then I actually asked her and her friend Alyssa to be in one of our campaigns and they did. Mm. And then during that time, they kind of just decided that they were going to put it on pause and not go forth with their business. And she was kind of like looking for her next thing. And I just said to her, I think you're amazing. Do you want to join Concerning She's so you? cute. She's a ray of sunshine. Yeah, I love her. So smart, so creative. She is going places in life. She's got the Incredible. real founder, like, hustle mentality, you know. So what does she do? Running your she socials? Does, she does our marketing. So okay, marketing partnerships, influencer, right. social, bit of everything. Okay. She does, she does a lot of work with our retailers. Like, she's That's so cool. wizard extraordinaire. No, she's amazing. Has she always known how to do that or is she kind of also coming into this world with you? Um, no, she's definitely like an uber creative and because she's had her own podcast and because she's had mm. her own like D2C before, right, she so definitely she's gets it. Yeah, she gets it. Yeah, she gets it. She's really smart. And then you have a content creator. He is also amazing. Which is, this is rare for people to just hire a content He was my creator. first hire. That's epic. He was so my first hire. Where did the, um, I guess, rationale come from? Being like, that's my hire. I need a content creator. So I always thought, and I don't think I was wrong, I always thought like I've got the the operation side, I've got the product development, I've got the boring finance, I've got that down. I don't have marketing and storytelling creative. And to me, video content, I mean, you'll completely agree, obviously. (laughs) To me, video content's everything. It tells a story. It really speaks to people. It's far more engaging and interesting. So working with Jono, who is, he's a bit of a creative wizard mm. because he is a videographer, does photography, he does graphic design, he studied mm-hmm. that at uni. So he's got like a really nice mix of things, which is perfect for startup because he can mm-hmm. kind of do a bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, he was kind of just a no-brainer. I just thought, Jono, you're Great. in. And he's, he's, he's amazing. So he's kind of been, he was my first person. Yeah. And, and then, then we've got an intern. Okay. Her name is Maddie. Okay. She is awesome. She runs up. TikTok and Instagram okay. with Sage, and she actually works part time at Mecca. She's in store. Oh, uber smart. Um, very very smart. She's still finishing so her uni degree. Tell of what's going on on the ground. I think she's just too. really connected and really gets education and beauty. She Love just that. really gets it. Yeah, she's really smart. I feel like she's gonna have a bright future. So in your operations and stuff, that's your role. Oh yeah, that is me. So is there any ambition to expand that division? And oh, definitely. How, like, how does that work right now? If your man, if everyone else is singing the brand to the treetops, how are you handling everything else? Oh, you've asked me in a week where I'm just like I can't handle you well. <laughs> 
you've asked me in a week where I'm just in, I'm overwhelmed. Um, no, I mean that, like that was my job for so long for mm. so many other businesses. So it's not like, it's, it's not hard for me. It's just really time consuming. And I really want to find a right hand in that space that can help right. carry the work with me. And I just haven't found someone yet that fits them all. It's a really, it's a really unique kind of tough job where, you know, that saying we are the a reflection of the people that we spend the most time with. Definitely believe that. Who are your people? And I can see that one's fed, mm, one's. One's definitely fed. One's probably even Elle McPherson from your definitely. residue of her. No, she of your is journey brilliant. Together. Very smart businesswoman. So who Very else is in your circle woman. that's given you oh. this? I was going to say pizzazz, but that's such a shit word. I like pizzazz. <laughs> Spicy. <laughs> Do you know what? I've got to owe a lot to it to my partner. It sounds so cliche. Yes, let's talk about him. Yeah, Connor. He's so we've been together for ten years. So you met in high school? We didn't no. meet in high school. Well, we met we? like the summer after year twelve. So it was like schoolies. <laughs> schoolies like do you know what I mean kind of um we met during that period so first year uni we started dating okay but he is from the get-go when I met him he was like rowing full-time that discipline oh beyond Mm -hmm. he used to get up every day at 4am and he'd ask me what I've done by like 9am and I'm strolling out of bed and so from the get-go I was like shoot I need to get busier I need to do something with my life because when he asks me what am I doing I can't just be like nothing I'm like caught up with my friends and having coffee I've got to (laughs) like go out and do what a good energy he was the best influence on me truthfully I think a lot of the reason why I'm like such a hard worker is partly for him. And you want to impress them. Yeah, I so want to impress nice. them. And then it gets addictive and then you love it and then you're really proud of what you achieve and then you just keep going. But he And you come home influence. and they're like, how'd it go? And then you just get yeah. to it. That's yeah. so fun. It's like a team. Exactly. So he's the best. So he is a great positive influence on me. Um, my mom definitely. Yeah. How can you not? Mm-hmm. My mom definitely. Um, my best friends, they're all really hard workers. Critzia, who you spoke about earlier, I mean, she worked McDonald's shop floor in high school, worked her way up. Great. She's had an impressive career. She's at Cotton On now, leading all the PR and influences. And I just shot for Cotton On. Oh, well, of course you have. You haven't you shot for? <laughs> no, that was the first time. And I was Stop. like, oh, they're like, oh, they've been on my vision board for fucking years. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, and I finally got it and I was like, ow. That's so exciting. I haven't shown them the edits yet, so I'll oh, <laughs> well, hope so they like them. <laughs> They're going to love them. What do you mean? Don't ever doubt yourself. They're going to love them. Coming from you. I know. I'm the worst. <laughs> Don't you dare doubt yourself. Don't doubt yourself. I know. I should give myself the pep talk I give others. Um, no, but she is brilliant. And like, so we, I feel like my my real close friends um, mm-hmm. are really, really hard workers and everybody's just like done amazing things with their career. That's great. Yeah. My two other friends, one of them's in marketing, one of them's a lawyer, one of them's in show production. You know, everyone mm. does a bit of different things, but everyone's yeah. a hard worker. That's so cool. Yeah, I don't have slacker friends. <laughs> I really don't. I don't have slacker friends and I don't have slack family members. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're a direct reflection. So. Yeah. Mm, how good. Mm. So I want to talk a little bit about Instamelt because okay. the technology, do you call it a technology or yeah. formulation? No, I call it a technology. It's, I call it a fabric technology. You, as a nerdy business part of this combo, you've got, how are we saying the rights that you have to that? So what exclusive rights right. to this fabric technology Yes, in perpetuity, meaning forever, for beauty and personal care. Okay. Explain what it does. What does that even mean? Yes. Okay. So we, I don't know how much did you, oh, you would have known the story a little bit. I know the story, but talk about what Instamelt is for people that don't know. So the fabric is made from a water-soluble polymer mm-hmm. and it ironically dissolves in water after use and it doesn't break down into any microplastics. It doesn't leave any waste behind. And the mm-hmm. idea is they were using it in the med tech space and they were using it for burn victims and wound care dressings and a so bunch of other So it dissolves stuff. in the shower Instantly. Or instantly. And it's fine for our waterways. doesn't pollute our waterways. doesn't impact. Um, right doesn't impact marine life. So it's pretty a remarkable 
material. So do you have this for Australian territory or no, worldwide? Worldwide. Mate, what are you going to do with it? That is a huge feat. I can, you must. <laughs> I got some videos. And you know what the cool part is? They've also allowed us to sub-license the patent for um, to other beauty and wellness brands, which we absolutely will do um, when the time comes with the right people and the right partners. Like, You've got to share your IP to You probably can't share your business plan with me in uh, – I feel like there's some secret source coming. I can, you must yeah. because that is huge. Thank you. Like the vision for what this yeah. – the potential now is, is wild. I hope so. I hope it really makes a huge impact. I mean the fact that 75% of sewage blockages in Australia come from – conventional wet wipes so things like makeup wipes so bad i mean it's inside 93 percent in the uk and then they form this thing called fatbergs which basically clog up our entire sewage system and it costs the government millions of dollars to remove and it oh my God. pollutes our waterways yeah. it's just the flow-on effects that it actually has so i'm like the fact that this product can even make a difference like just in somebody's um life whether that be their skin and then also not impact our environment of course we're really proud yeah. we're really excited but you know, we've, we've got our own um, journey ahead. Like we're now investing in a new machine and tooling to be able to do it properly and have a bit of more And scale. all that's the – so how is it broken up between coming from the UK to manufactured here locally? Yeah, yeah. So we manufacture the fabric. Um, so they – so the people that created the fabric mm-hmm. are in the UK. They're mm-hmm. also a startup. They're amazing. Founder's brilliant. He's got such a fascinating story. Um, he's actually a good podcast for another time. <laughs> And we, we formed a really great partnership with them because we were both kind of in our infancy. He really loved that we were waterless because it basically only works with products that are waterless. Right. And so it just kind of made sense for beauty and personal care to do a bit of a joint um, venture together. Right. But he's still got the rights for all the other categories like pets and whatever with different businesses. Cool. Um, but, yeah, so we make the fabric offshore actually. We mm-hmm. then import it into Australia. We manufacture, so we cut it, fold it, insert it, fill it, produce our bulk right. here. We produce our packaging here and then we create the finished goods. That's so epic. Yeah. So what is your product line at the moment? So we launched our makeup wipes first. Yes. All the day dissolvers. Yes. We sold out in two weeks. We're still out of stock. Amazing. We're actually going to be in stock again in a couple of weeks <laughs> with our prototype two, which is exciting. Oh. So we're actually launching. I can tell you. Oh, I can. Yeah, I can tell you. <laughs> we're launching um, our prototype two, where we've uh-huh. actually been able to find a different packaging format. So we had one on stability testing, meaning it was like being trialed to see if it was compatible with the fabric mm-hmm. and our bulk, and it's home compostable. So we're now we were waiting for that to finish, and we got the AOK like a month ago, mm-hmm. and so now we produced our compostable sachets, which we're now launching as prototype two, which is very exciting. Wow. Yeah. Okay, because you've had some comments and stuff yeah. being like, why are they individually wrapped? And They're still going to be individually wrapped for the time being mm-hmm. until we work on our working in the background on like a bulk supply. But I mean, it just takes time because the fabric's so temperamental to moisture and humidity. It has to be packed appropriately. And then how do you create a packaging format that's 100% biodegradable and, you know, isn't impactful from the environment? So it took time. Now we found a yeah. really, really great solution. We're really happy with our home compostable sachet. Mm-hmm. We're launching in a couple weeks, but stay tuned. That's some other things in the pipeline. In true entrepreneur form, Natasia had to run to another meeting, but I had some further questions to inspire and guide our process community, so I made sure that I seeked her out to answer them. We chatted our hearts out, and you'll notice that this audio quality is different, and I know that you are going to hear that. I wasn't going to include it, but I think that it's really, really valuable. We're candid when we chat together, so I hope that you love it and can kind of see past the quality because at the end of the day, I just wanted you to get 
the most that you could out of this episode. So let's get back into the chat. Okay, so back on to our We had a break because you had a call and we were just chatting and we ran out of time. So we're here. I've regrouped. I feel good. Okay, so I did some stalking at the brand. What was the brand called before it was called Conserving Beauty? Oh, my gosh, yes. You've done some good stuff. I went way back. You went way back. So originally, and I was like brand planning, working it out. I had an original name called CR Beauty. And we had same look, same formulations. We had black lids, completely different. I actually pitched to Mega with that name before I'd even launched with the black lid samples. Like literally went and bits like, this is it. But was it CR? It was CR Beauty. C as in the letter C. As in the R. The ocean. Right. And then our as in O-U-R, like ours. Oh. Yeah. And do you know what's funny? Conserving Beauty was my second name. Like halfway through, I was like, no, I'm so much more Conserving Beauty. It makes way more sense to be conserving beauty. Our whole premise is like, we exist to conserve your beauty in the planets. Yeah. So then I was like, I'm changing the name. Yeah. And it's, I, um, and at the time, Mecca had said to me, we love it. We love everything. We love the story, but you're not a, not a black lid on shelf. That's true. Which is so true. Best advice ever, actually. So grateful that they said that. So then I was like, okay, no, not going to do that. And then I was like, it's conserving beauty. And I changed my lid colors. And I know we did that. Like, yeah. And then we actually launched probably. And then over there, you know, I've got a product called CL. CU. CU. Clothing above. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So we kept the gave it a little. Yeah. yeah. I kept the legacy there. You gave it yeah. a moment. I know. But that's my first like little like samples, my first initial samples. I wouldn't even call it unlaunched. I'd say like, I had like an initial sampling into like friends and families with CR Beauty. Oh. I know. So obviously you've gone through. The moments of exploring what the world needs. And I am so happy that you have outwardly said the world didn't need another beauty brand just yeah. on the shelf. You actually wanted to make a change. Totally. When you were, going back to your movie montage, when you were <laughs> on the hustle of early mornings, late nights, still being at WellCo, mm. COVID, the world was cooked. Yeah. When you were working. Oh, that this is I doing. Yeah. Like when you figure out what does it look like if we don't have water in our products? What Are you in some ingredient thing that only biochemists have access to? No. Like, how did you feel? Like, <laughs> oh, no. did you have a scientist? That no. Working with? Oh, kind of. Like we work like with the lab. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. And where are the labs? In Melbourne. Okay. Yeah. So because of my background with contract manufacturing, I know majority of the contract manufacturers in beauty and wellness, especially in Victoria and Sydney. Um, and I went to my favorite contract manufacturer at the time and I was like, this is my idea. This is like a giraffe formula pulled together. This is the ingredients. This is where I want to get them from. What do you think? They would basically said to me, you're way too small. You're startup. Like, we don't want to do this, but because it's you, we'll help you out because I'd already built rapport with them. And they were like, look, can't promise you anything. Mm. The face oil will be fine. The cleanser should be fine. But the clay mask, no way. They're like, it just can't be done. Yeah. But let's give it a go. And so that was literally, that was kind of how it started. We went back and forth on unlocking the formula and changing things for like ages, I'd say, almost a year. How does formula work in a lab when you're not even to market yet? How does that work in terms of pricing structure? And what do you pay for? Oh, what's that thing? <laughs> So, and by the way, before we'll get, we'll get to the other stuff of what I did, but yeah. basically I went and with like a draft, it's called draft formulation. And I said, these are the ingredients. This is the input. So the amount that you put in to get a direct benefit. These are the claims I want to make. And this is the outcome of the scheme I want to have. And then we go about playing with it because you don't know how that's going to form together consistency wise, if it's going to be stable, if it's going to separate 
um, how it's going to go in the packaging. Like you got to like go through the motions and then you got to actually use it and like it. And like I changed so many things. Like the cleanser was originally a powder. That was that's a whole other story. Yep. Um, the clay mask changed twice because they knew we would be able to do it, but then we did. Like lots of things have changed. Um, and you just kind of go through the motions. I didn't. I, I invest at the moment with my personal money in R and D and like going back and forth on that sampling and stuff. But I must say they were pretty good. They did so. How is that? Like how do they bill you that? Like the time. So it's the time is the raw materials. Yeah, the time and the raw materials. So you're paying for the time, like the lab technician's time, yeah. and then you're paying for the raw materials if you've got like bespoke or like specialty ingredients. So the fact that I've said you have to source isopropyl from Ukraine from this supplier, they have to then do that. They can't then source it from, say, another country or another supplier. So then they have to buy that material specially for you, and usually there's an MOQ, so a minimum order quantity of that material, and then you've got to commit to that and pay for it. Because like they're not, you can't be like, go buy this special ingredient for me from this special supplier. Yeah. And then they, they're stuck with the excess. You have to kind of commit to that. Wow. Yeah. So then pay for that. And then you have to pay for testing. So like we do micro testing to set, like make sure that there's no bacteria or microbes in the product. We did, I chose to do heavy metal testing, um, which is required for America only actually, um, because they've got specific like regulatory requirements with California Prop 65 and things. And I knew that through my time at WellGo and I wanted to make sure from the get-go that my formula was globally compliant. I was really because you got for big dreams. Big dreams. Didn't have time to reformulate. Yeah. Didn't want to have two different products in market, which a lot of brands do because, you know, you grow, you scale, then they're like, you can't have vitamin D topically in the UK. And then you're like, okay. So then you take it out and then you have another product in market. So, you know, I made changes throughout my product development, like original formulation stage to make sure that it was globally going to be compliant. And the only thing I'd need to change was probably just my labels and registering a product for like local country languages and things like that. Right. That's right. So that took time. So we did extra testing and stuff there. And then you have to form your packaging. We custom tooled our glass shapes. We made the molds. Like all that stuff just takes time. Everything takes time. So how did you decide, make that decision to custom mold your own gloves? Yeah, gloves. really wanted to. I wanted something unique. I wanted something that resembled water because I feel like the whole brand is essentially like a love letter to conserving water. And I wanted something unique that still looked premium on shell that wasn't just kind of um, naff, dorky. Because when you make nice decisions, though, like I fall victim to reading all those business books. Oh, yeah. And all. So I love it. And it's My like, favourite is a single podcast. Yeah. And it's like just launch with your minimum viable product mm. and work out work ways to do things. Yeah, just figure it out. Cool, you want something that can you can cut custom glassware. How did you make decisions based on that, like when you were looking at funding and the whole journey and everything? So at the start, it was just me and my yeah. thing. Then I pulled in my aunt who backed me from the get-go and she gave me a really small amount just to prove up concept, basically just to like, Finish off being like, yep, these are the formulas, this is the packaging, this is the branding. I've got the trademarks, you know, just like basic fundamentals of selling a business without even purchasing stock. Um, and we did that together. And I did that in like an ultimate shoestring, I would say, like the ultimate shoestring. Yeah. Luckily, we had so many um, great relationships with suppliers and yeah. I worked with for years that really did us some favours, to be honest. Otherwise, probably wouldn't have been able to do it. Yeah. Um, had to beg for payment terms and things like that. As we all do. As we all do. <laughs> yeah, as we all do. But like because, so like basically for the first year, I was formulating slash business planning. So I basically right. was obsessed with writing a business plan. How am I going to commercialize this? Where's my distribution? Who am I selling to? Who's my customer? What are our brand values? And so you're doing this late at night? Late at night and in the morning. So I get up at five and I do two hours before my day at Wellgo. Right. 
And then when I'd clock off at Wilco, I'd go straight into it and I'd usually do it to like 11 p.m. At night. And how did you maintain your relationship through that? Well, luckily it was COVID, so Connor couldn't run away from me. <laughs> <laughs> so you just have dinners together and then go back into your yeah. cave. Yeah, pretty much. Wow. I know. So, like, honestly, thank God. It, not thank God because it's such a terrible thing to say given that it was a horrible year for everybody. But I do think there were benefits for entrepreneurs. Well, I was just home. Cutting those social ties yeah. that we otherwise would feel responsible for. Yeah, absolutely. And it's definitely made me be a little bit more insular, a little bit from the hell of my whole personality. <laughs> my personality has changed. <laughs> yeah, if I'm at the bot. Yeah, no, no. I'm not <laughs> such a homebody now so true and like I just really value like doing things that I want to do rather than trying to please everybody else and I feel like I used to do that I think we were supposed to learn that lesson at like 40 no I feel like I've now learned the lesson I don't want to go out on a weekend I'm not going out and I don't care who's who's judging it for it I'm good with it I will stay home and rest I'm good so but yeah honestly like I pretty much just did that and then on Saturdays and Sunday I usually do like a work structured day so usually do like a nine to four or something Mm -hmm. And, like, I go for a walk and we'd still cook and whatever. And so I wouldn't work Sunday night and Sunday night, but right. I was on the grind. And we were living with my mother-in-law. I say mother-in-law because we're not married, but yeah, Maddie is so Connor's mom, and yeah. she was Joy. And she was probably, probably thought I was so bizarre. She's like, this girl just works. You show you with Harry. Yeah, and has been together for <laughs> 10 years. 10 years. So she must know you pretty well. It's and really she, cute, actually. She's so sweet. She's always like to me, oh, my gosh, Tans, like, I remember you putting in all the work and look at you now. That's so nice. Really nice. Yeah. So you were living with her, as anxious to save, and now you live alone. Yeah. Now you too. So we... Flow the coop? Believe it or not. Yeah, we find the coop, thank God. Um, <laughs> love our families, but she needs personal. So we, your love, Connor originally lived with my family. Oh. With my crazy sisters, my mom, my stepdad, six of us in a house, way too many people, yeah. for a couple of years. And then when COVID hit, his mom was living, she wasn't by herself. Um, because all his, both of his other siblings had left and she kind of had more space and my family was, you know, a lot. Yeah. And so we were like, let's go live with her so she doesn't have to be by herself in lockdown. Oh, that's right. And she's, she was amazing to live with. She was great. That's so cool. It was really nice. It was really peaceful and it was good. And you saved, obviously. Saved money, which was great. Great. So we were able to move out by ourselves. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> After 10 years. Living in the big city. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you lived at home for so long. And I'm like, you know what? Had to. I had to move home during COVID. Yeah, I had to. More so just because obviously being creative and yeah, and financially like, key. Yeah, it yeah, was completely. It was great. Who didn't love being with their family? I mean, a lot of people did. I'm kidding. You had so, some days. Yeah, I'm you kidding. have the days. But overall, I look back at it very fondly. No, me too. And I'm like, some of my really good memories mm. are there, but some of my awful memories are also there. But yeah. Anyway, very safe space though to be hustling. Very safe space. Yeah. And yeah. that that doubt, I think, is removed when you have the flexibility to move home with family, that hustle of how am I going to do this, da-da-da-da-da. Absolutely. It's kind of like removed when you know you don't need to necessarily pay rent. Absolutely. No, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, I think if you're in a fortunate position to be able to do that. Yeah, if you can remove ego from the situation like that. Oh, yeah. No ego. I feel like you don't have an ego about this. No, business. not at all work. You're not admitting that you worked... At 15, like, cleaning toilets is huge. Totally. I think I was like, I'd tell a lie there. <laughs> Would you? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm an open book. I feel like to my detriment, I, I'm an open book. Yeah, I just feel like anything you want to know, I'm happy to share with anyone. Just the hard work and the, we touched on it before about the immigrant parents. It's yeah. so incredible how you. much gusto you have. Yeah, I think it's just ingrained in you at a young age. I really do. And I think if you're taught work and think at a young age, it never leaves you. Yeah. 
So I hope my kids also I'm going to make them work in each other. Fourteen and nine months. If you could, I think I was like illegally working like under fourteen. I was absolutely. I won't say it, but I was working for a very funny pizza shop. Sounds like five dollars an hour pizza shop. Mm-hmm. I was schlepping. I was washing dishes in the back. Yeah, same. I was doing the exact same thing on track. <laughs> um, so now so I feel like I know where you went. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so talk to me about Mecca. Why? launch at Mecca because I'm well aware of two sides of this coin. Mm. They are so great. They're amazing. But their business model does strip you of a lot of other opportunities. And that's known yeah. once you sort of explore that and start that work with them. They have a pretty incredible margin on your your own product and all that. And how did that come to be that you were like, that's what I want? And mm. it's known within the industry that they do that. But there, it comes with the whole. Yeah, they do it for a reason. Yeah, they absolutely do it for a reason. I say so. Like one thing I didn't share about my previous job, Welker. So in the end, I was actually running. I was head of sales, so I ran all of their wholesale partnerships with all of their retailers globally, which was great. So like that was my kind of move off from being in the back end to front of house. I mean, we say that that's like a cute little job, but that's huge. it was a big job. Yeah, <laughs> it was a big job. We had like two hundred retailers. It was a really big job. Yeah, a responsibility. So like, I kind of transitioned because I worked with L the year before, like directly, and we I just kind of did literally anything and everything. I was kind of like the right hand person mm-hmm. to her and CEO. And then I kind of shifted into that role purely because they had a need. The other person was leaving. And they were like, come on, Tassie, you could do this. You're great at relationship management. And I was like, I don't know the first thing about sales, but sure, I can manage a relationship. So then, and like I knew I was going to do again my own business. So I was like, this is actually great. I'll get exposure to a different side of the business to kind of learn. So I was managing everybody else. Sephora, Adore, DJs, Harrods, Basic K, Selfridges, like everyone globally. And so I got a taste for how retailers operate and how different countries. You didn't get a taste. You got a mouthful. You ate the a game. mouthful. And like, what not to do? What to do? Yeah. How to like what actually matters is kind of sell in. It's all that sell through. Yeah. Like so many things. Trade marketing. So I loved that. So when I was coming up with my own business, I knew from day dot it was Mecca or no one. Like I really? felt that so deeply, and I still do believe that because I like for the main reason for me was. Mecca invest so well in education and in their team. And the minute you go into a Mecca store anywhere, you feel that Mecca magic. You feel like the team know exactly what they're talking about. Yeah. They know everything about products. And it's unlike any other retailer I've been to. And I just thought my brand and my products are not going to sell themselves on shelf. They need that magic and education behind it. They need the training. That's really what's going to set us apart. And the people that invest the most in training are them. Yeah. So I was like, it's it's them. So were you intimidated at first by their, by their restrictions that they put on you? Because you're exclusive to Mecca I'm plus your own website. Mecca. Yeah, yeah. Look, I knew going in what that kind of deal structure roughly looked like. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm proud at the outcome where we landed. I feel like we landed in a really nice spot that's really fair to both of us and they really tried to help me as a startup, which I really appreciate. I think their team have been nothing but amazing and supportive and great. I think they take... Um, you know, higher margins and stuff because they invest so much in training and trade marketing and they really give you a lot of support. So I think it's all balanced because it, when you look at like other retailers and the margin structures and things, some of them, yes, okay, they might have a lower base margin, but when, once you add on sampling and training and trade marketing and the co-op and everything, they help you. you're probably at the same place that you're at with Mecca anyway. So it doesn't even matter. It's all muchness of muchness. I think retailers are all about partnerships. And when both of both you and the retailer really believe in the brands together and want to grow together, 
that's when it works. And when you co-invest in yeah. things together, that's what makes the magic actually happen. And I also think less is more. I think if you have less retailers, you can do more with them and give them all this special moment to like really create a magical kind of experience for the customer. So internationally now with Mecca, mm. is that how does that work offshore? So it's really interesting. The minute you tell people overseas that you're arranged at Mecca, honestly, it's opened so many doors. People, they just know. They know. They really love and respect what Cho and the team have done here because it is quite remarkable. So yeah, we're now watching the UK in the coming months. Yeah. I know. I'm very excited. I feel like it would, like to someone like me, I'm like, whoa. Yeah. But then obviously you've got your supply chain, sales, ops. You can see that. Yeah. It's just there. It's quite yeah. clear to you. Yeah. So how are you going to, I guess, work on that? How does that come kind of to fruition? It just it just happens. It just happens here over there. Basically, I mean, you have to get the products registered. So the UK have quite stringent regulatory requirements, but I knew that. So I've been working on getting the products registered ages ago anyway. Right. So that I was ready when the time comes, <laughs> of course. Yeah. But then there's always last minute things. Like I forget about so many things. I forgot to register for VATS and now I'm dealing with that. Um, you know, we're sending up a warehouse over there. Like there's other things that I'm like, I should have known this because I've done this, but you just forget being in the startup hustle. But basically we've appointed a new beer agency over there that they're going to help us really storytell and connect and then re- working really closely with our retailers to do like some amazing moments. So I'll do one first um, and then three months later, I'll bring you on a few more. Such an amazing marketing. The people there are really, really smart customer, really progressive, really understand conservation. I feel like hopefully it's the right fit. Are you going to stay based in Mill? Definitely. Mm. Definitely. Because you're so family oriented. Definitely. And I feel like Australians are where I'm more in Australia. Yeah, my man is. Hey, kitty, you'll go where I go. No, I feel like we're at Australian business that will always have our roots here. But I think if anything, we'll branch off and have some amazing people and maybe the UK, maybe the US will sing. Oh, I love this so much. Mm-hmm. Just the things that are on the horizon for you are so exciting. Okay. It's sort of like... I'm, a, I'm like exhausted thinking about my to-do list though. Yeah, but I feel like you're the epitome of work hard and it will happen. Like just yeah. keep going. It's like that saying where they're like, do you know what luck's created by people that work hard? It's like, yeah. Yeah, the harder you work, the luckier you share. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> Everything I think if you never happens. give up, there's always a solution. You'll always find the answer. Yeah. Yeah. That makes it sound like it was all easy, though, that there are so many things that knock on my way. Mm. There are still things that don't go my way. <laughs> Supply chain drama. It's like, you know, freight's a disaster at the moment. We talk to anyone that's in... You How know. are you handling these pickles? Oh, not well. Again, <laughs> <laughs> you've asked me on a week, but it's just... <laughs> I'm glad, though, because it's very... It's just honest. I'm like, no, I'm like trying to fix a few things there. But, you know, it's a juggle. Yeah. As long as I get more, like, good things that happen than challenges. Yes. They'll leave it out. <laughs> so what does your day-to-day look like? Oh. Do you guys have a set day-to-day? Not really. Not really. Like, I feel like we kind of... I feel like startup nature changes yeah. every single day. I'm up early. I try to go up at like 5.36 mm-hmm. and start my day there. I usually do like all my private emails or just like boring stuff in the morning before I go into the office. And then I'll stroll in the office around like 8.30, mm-hmm. 9, just depending. And then I usually have a meeting with my team and we can go through priorities and everyone just aligns on what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. And then I do all my meetings in person because I prefer it. I just think if you can and you can be COVID safe, of course, it's nice to connect with people in person. Mm-hmm. Um, we always have lunch together. So I think that's really important. Yeah. yeah. I always have a laugh on TikTok. I always get right into a TikTok. And then, yeah, like we just kind of hustle away, honestly. And then I usually have late night calls with the UK. 
Right. Mm. Okay. So when you've hired and you've poached people, essentially, yes. that's what it is. If you've never put out a JD, I've never had JD. How? Which is wild. How have you done that? Like I, for example, have seen people at different businesses. Dalai Lau would love to approach them. How? Oh, are yeah, you, I just how approach. are approaching. I do. I know that you love a don't ask, don't get situation. I love a don't ask, don't get situation. But are you just like, hello, my name's Yatasia. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. talk me through the strong leap. Literally, no, literally. How do you like warm them up, introduce yourself? I always. And you go into the kill. So that I'll always see if I can find a random lukewarm intro. Okay, right. Like, I'll always try and find. Like, and I really, like, cause, yeah, because it, you can't always have a great intro to someone. Yeah. I'm like, who do I know that could know someone that knows someone that maybe they can get me a little intro? I always try and leverage the network to try and get the intro. If I can't, I'll just DM people on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And that really works. And you just wait to get on LinkedIn. Are you saying I'd love to connect and yeah. then just have a meeting and introduce yourself and then you go into the kill later? No, so I usually say like, Hi, I'm Anastasia, I'm of Conserving Beauty. I usually link a few press pieces, ones that are that really give a good like story of who we are. And I just say, We're launching we're launching to make up, we're launching into XX in the UK, we're looking for this. Would you be open to a coffee? No, I just, I'm up front with people. I just don't want to waste anyone's time. Yeah. And if you're not, I'm always, if you're not, totally fine. And usually, I'm kind of lukewarm interested. I'll take reading. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just nice to be up front and honest with people. Yeah. And if it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be. Like, that's all you can do. So the don't ask, don't get mentality. You've mm. come this far. Mm. What did you not get that put you on your ass? Has there been stuff that you were like, oh, my God, I did it, and then it really didn't go my way? I mean... Or if you just had a great... No, I've definitely, <laughs> no, no, I've definitely had so many things not go my way, whether it's like missed launch plans because of supply chain mm. delays, um, just like slower start to getting brand awareness. I thought it takes a really long time to get really good brand awareness and need to see traction. Mm-hmm. So direct to consumer sales. I just feel like that's just a slug and for me what to make an out like it was so easy. It's just rubbish. Or maybe they were so lucky and if they were, yeah. they may please help me. <laughs> Please come and help me. I'd love the tip. Um, I just think there are so many random things, whether it's like setting up company structures or trademarks or things like that that I probably didn't get right at the start that now I've kind of retrofitted and fixed. Um, I, I've i learned to delegate. Mm-hmm. I'm actually great at delegating now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, do it. Both of life, guys. How's, how's your journey been as a manager, managing mm. people? It's it's different. I mean, I've managed people in the past. My mm. past jobs have all grown stuff as well. And a boost juice. And a boost juice, of course. Yes, your manager. Unfortunately, not an answer. I've managed people throughout my career. I think when managing people, I like to manage people how I would want to be managed. Mm. I mean, equally, I ask them how they like to be managed. But I am the opposite to a micromanager. I am light touch because I am busy and it's very much sink or swim. And I'm giving you all the power because I believe in you. I'm backing you. That's why I hired you. And obviously, I'm here to help whatever you need. But like, I'm trusting you. And I always joke to my team. I'm like, you're 10 emails that you've sent me that I'm copied on. I haven't read any of them. And if I need to know anything, just tell me. Yeah. <laughs> because... Otherwise, it's like, why hire people if you can't empower them to make decisions? Yeah. And I think it's really important to set personal goals with everybody to get their own development plans. And that's something we're working on at the moment because I don't really believe in performance reviews. I think on-the-spot feedback should be given always. You should always know how you're going. And I shouldn't have to wait six months or annually for you to tell me how I'm going. Mm. Like, that's just so silly. 
I should just know. I feel like we should catch up six monthly to talk about your goals, your progressions, how are we getting you to your next promotion, how are we getting you to your next pay rise, what can we get around you, do you need a mentor, do you need leadership advice, can someone from our board support you? Like that's kind of the manager I want to be because the only reason I am where I am is because I've had so many amazing people in my life mentor me and help me and really guide me and I want to be that for my team. That's amazing. Yeah. We've put all that in place. Yeah, and I hope they'll go to, go to amazing things. Like, I hope Conserving Beauty is the place that could be springboarding for them to go to, you know, maybe their own thing one day or go work for another amazing business yeah. or do something epic because they're all hustlers and they're all entrepreneurial and they're all really, really special. And I feel like this is the beginning for them. So if we can play, like, a part in their success of their career and be like, oh, I learned that at Conserving yeah. Beauty. <laughs> I'd be so proud and it's so nice. Yeah, yeah, I'd be so proud. Have there been any hiccups in the hiring process that you can share? Not really. See, see that's the fun thing I've done well. I'll give, I'll give myself that. I've hired great people. Yeah. I've hired great people. I've been supported by great people. Haven't had any drama there. I've had it's amazing. other hiccups, other problems. Yeah. It's not that. Right. <laughs> right. I get it. Yeah. So time With the board, having a board, especially at our age, it's a big move, yeah. but also now understanding how you're connected to Fed and yes. all these other boards and funds and people opening doors to help you, it totally makes sense. But what does a board actually do? If you assemble a board, what are their responsibilities? Like corporate you? governance. I would say corporate governance and business governance. So at the moment, so my board, I pulled them together, started this year. So they haven't, so for two years it was just, just me. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it looks like it's all great. Yeah. Um, And they really guide me on business strategy, business decisions and corporate governance to making sure that we're doing everything we say we're going to do. And the budgets that we've hit, we're hitting, our revenue targets we're hitting, our corporate responsibility, our team, insurance, boring stuff. So how often do they meet? Every two months I'm meeting at the moment. And everyone comes together. And everyone comes together. I'm going to do like a good two-hour Zoom session. But then I have breakaway one-on-ones with all of them for specific things that they add to the table. Like, for example, next week we're catching up with Elle and Tracy together mm-hmm. and my team to present our next 12-month marketing strategy that gives us all together that, you know, we'll reset with her to get their thoughts and feedback. We'll do a bit of a working session, get them kind of guidance in place. Yeah. So they actually like jump in and will help. Kerry Lee helped me, introduced me to someone that could help do like my outsourcing finance. Like that was been meeting before then I had to bring boy everyone. <laughs> so everyone kind of helps me along the journey. It's not like, okay, bye, see you in two months. It's, hey, you know, could you come to this? Could you yeah. help me with that? So when you're assembling and asking, don't mm. ask, don't get oh, I'm always, I'm, if anything, I'm probably over us. <laughs> I'm like the queen of asking for help. Do you outline to them what you need from them when Definitely. you're asking somebody to be on the board? Yeah, definitely. And definitely. Did you get any no's? No. <laughs> I think you asked no. you asked people that were No, I asked people that know very me. aligned. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I asked people that know me that have either mentored me or I've been connected with for a while. And so it felt comfortable asking them. It wasn't like I'm just going to someone cold asking, Hey, can you be on my board? Like Yeah. I've worked with Elle for a couple of years, I fed my whole career, Tracy I met a year ago. And the minute I met her and shared my story, she literally said to me, I want to help you. Mm. So that was pretty cool. And then I met Kerry Lee before I even did the springboard cohort program that she's the chair of. Mm-hmm. And then she'd already said yes to me before I did the cohort. Great. Which was great. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, at, least, at least I'm going to work with her. She's brilliant. <laughs> so smart. Have Is there any financial gain being on a board? Um, 
there is a equity gift. Oh, yeah. Cool. Is that just um, unique to you or is that something that's kind of standard? Um, I think it just depends. In startup, it's quite standard to be able to give people that help you from the ground up a little bit of the company just because you're helping me build it from day dot and you're giving up your time for free. Right. I think it's just nice to give to people. Yeah. Is there any other equity shareholders aside from you and Fed and these people? Yeah, my investors. Okay. So yeah. they took equity. Yeah. Okay, right. Yeah. Was that scary? Not really. It just kind of is part of it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like someone said to me really early on at Foundry, he was like, you can either own a small part of a big pie or a big part of a small pie. You choose. And I'm like, yeah, I want to own a small part of a big pie. Because mm-hmm. it's not about how much I'm diluting and how much I own and I don't have an obnoxious kind of, uh, you know, tank on that. I'm more like, how do we create this amazing business, these amazing products and make a difference? Who is around me that's going to lead, lead with values and ethics and be part of this? Who's going to help me make it happen? And cool, okay, at the end, maybe we'll all financially gain, but it's not just about that. So I don't sit there and go, no, I couldn't possibly dilute X. Yeah. Because it's, that's not why I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Are you as a majority shareholder? Yep. Amazing. Good girl. Yay. I just love For now. I won't be forever, but for now I am. (laughs) So with any entrepreneurs interested in taking this kind of grace that Mm. you have pulled together so incredibly, how can they begin to learn about funds and all that stuff? I feel like the Swiss um, shareholders, that family that you Mm. mentioned, they really gifted you with the education. Definitely. In your time. My time at the Foundry. Yeah. I learned a lot. How do you think that people, for example, that are in that marketing space and they don't know, yeah, all this? I think, if anything, find a mentor in that space. Right. And then try and learn from them. Because even so, like, I learned a lot of the Andrew, but honestly, I've learned probably the most with raising money from Kerry Lee, my board member, right. through a shorter amount of time. And she really taught me how to stick up for yourself in a negotiation, what's fair for both parties, how to navigate the whole process, what documents. Like that was actually through her, how to set up a data room. I didn't know those things before. What's I started. Data exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's basically when you raise money, you um, go through like a process, you pitch, you give them a deck. So like a, a basically it's like a business plan in summary and a financial model. And then you give them access to what's called a data room. And it could be just like a Google Drive. It could be a platform. I used a platform. Um, and it's basically got everything on the company that's in there so they can go do their due diligence to make sure that you're legit and you check out. So all your contracts will be in there, your IP, your formulations, you know, right. press, anything, team structure, legal docs, everything. You built your there. data room when you had COVID. I did. I built the podcast when I had COVID. Gosh. I was like, oh my gosh, you've got a good memory. I did. I built my data room and I had COVID in January. After I did I the exact job, same thing. And I thought, oh my God, what have I done? I've quit my job. Yeah. I don't even have money. I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to launch into Mac. I need to get investors. I'm now so sick, bedridden with COVID. Mm. And I'm about to pitch people two weeks. I'm going to my data room together. Mm. I love thinking about that. What does your fiance do for work? He's in recruitment. Okay. For non-for-profits. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So he doesn't, he's not like, hey, we'll show you what a data room is. No. He's not in this world. No. He, he can show me other things. He can teach me other stuff. Yeah. Not that. Yeah. Nice. No, I was so winging it. And again, hello, Google. Yeah. And hello, YouTube. And thank you, Carrie Lee. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what I mean? It's like if I've learned anything, just be resourceful, try and find someone yeah. who can teach you things that you don't know. And it's 
completely on. She'd just be like, I don't know. Can you show me? Yeah. And every time she talks, I learn a new thing and I write it down. And I'm like, I don't know what you just said. <laughs> you know, it's really nice to hear that you're still doing that. Oh, my God, absolutely. And I'll continue to do that for the rest of my career because I think the smartest people in the room are the ones that ask for help. Yeah. It's actually not impressive to know everything. It's actually impressive to be humble and go work it out with someone and ask an expert. Mm. Longevity-wise, where do you see Conserving Beauty going? You say Conserving Beauty, but by the book right now, you are skincare. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So are you going to... Definitely going to take over your bathroom. <laughs> definitely. We definitely want to move it to hair and body. Absolutely. That's so cool. Absolutely. I'd love to have a beauty solution for kind of your whole holistic routine, um, whether that be your face, your skin, your body, your hair. So when you're mapping that out, is this, do you work on one-year plans? No, it's the year I work on a five-year plan. Amazing. Yeah. It's what yeah. the Chinese do, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. And, like, I pitched on a five-year plan, so this is my, you know, five-year journey. Not to say that it ends at five years. Of course it doesn't. But I just feel like it's a good block of time to be like, this is what I want to achieve in five years. These are the types of products I'm going to create, this distribution pathway, new country expansion, customer journey. Like, you kind of, these are the people I want to hire and when. I mean, nothing ever goes 100% to plan yeah like even my team now the original plan that i pitched on it's slightly changed still because i found kim earlier than expected and i just knew i had to hire her yeah and so I probably hired her a little bit earlier but i just thought no you're so worth it and i think you to help me kind of marketing is yeah trying to accelerate exactly so that's not about yeah somebody at mecca actually asked me recently yeah. what's what's the thing you haven't got right i'm like the balance of storytelling and communicating why our products work and why they're great for your skin and yeah. how they're ultimately also great for the planet. Yeah. Haven't got that balance right. It's really hard. It's like, especially as a founder, you want to tell everyone everything and you yeah. want to be like, we're doing all of this for impact and look at our research project, look at this and that. And you, you know, you forget to be like, actually, you use our products. Yeah. Things going to thrive. I so love it. I want to give you the floor to talk about that piece. Sure. So just being within like the beauty industry forever and working on skincare products in all my previous jobs, it always starts with water. You basically, pretty much every product in market is like 70% water. Some have more of their body wash or face wash. They can have up to 90% water. And then when you have water, you need things like preservatives, obviously, because right. bacteria is going to grow, like have to have preservative system. Usually people will use, you know, um, fragrances and colorants and thickeners and emulsifiers and all kinds of things and then they'll give you like a sprinkle of the good stuff like the active ingredients which are going to give you the actual direct benefit and so when I started to think about removing water from the formula I thought about a few things I was like number one our formulations we can formulate without them and then we can just give people 100% of like the pure potent ingredients which okay. are going to give us skin a direct benefit and we can show them where exactly we source the ingredients from on our website and give a little bit of a spiel on why they're in there and the benefit it gives your skin. Then I was like, oh, it's also great for all the um, planet reasons and like conserving water, which you obviously know. And I, I guess I'll talk less about that since we're talking about skin benefits. <laughs> Here's me like trying to go onto a tangent. Yeah, go Let's go more holistic. I just thought like, wow, like imagine taking water out and conserving water along the whole entire supply chain so you could actually measure how much water you save. And so that's why we partnered up with the Water Footprint Network and led our research project to actually show you how much water we save by buying a conserving beauty product, which is cool. Uh -huh. And then I thought, 
okay, if you have potent ingredients, typically you only need less, so less is smaller, so you're buying them less, smaller, they're more compact, shipping less carbon emissions, and you can have them for a little bit longer and it's better for your wallet ultimately mm-hmm. because you're not purchasing them as quickly as you normally would. So More packs, I love Yeah, it. like they're a bit more bang for your buck, as I like to say. <laughs> yes. You know, the guy plays in that you really only need a little bit and it goes all over your face and wow. gently melts makeup. Same for our face oil, you only need a couple drops. Same for our clay mask, you only need a thin layer. Same for our makeup wipes, obviously you need one, but, um, and the sheet mask. So it's just more like, okay, well, how do you create like a really simplistic routine where it's less is more is kind of at the forefront and your skin's just going to thrive and be ultimately healthy. And so we use mostly plant derived ingredients. All of our formulations have 13 or less ingredients in them, depending on which one. And every single ingredient's in there for a purpose to give you a direct benefit. I saw on social you reeled it off. You were like, yeah. the ingredients. And I was like, oh, wow. It's yeah. so cool. Fair product. Each one's different. And we really focus on a few heroes. We really focus on like skin that's been sensitized or aggravated because of, you know, mask wearing or COVID or environmental aggressors like pollution, things like that. And so all of our formulations are quite gentle, really good for young skin who, you know, might be more breakout prone or a little bit more irritable or a little bit more red. Mm-hmm. But also because a lot of our formulas, some of them are quite oil rich, mature skin loves and thrives off that mm-hmm. because our own skin is kind of made up of our own natural sebum, our own natural oils and oil loves oil. And so mm-hmm. I think there's kind of been a misconception previously where people are scared of oily products. Like they're always like, oil skin. No, I'm like oily skin loves oil-based products mm-hmm. and your skin it draws it out. It draws it out, loves it. So we've got a cleansing balm, which makes... The perfect makeup melter, makeup remover, like if you've used a cleansing balm before, mm-hmm. ours is really great. You only need a little bit. And if you add a few drops of water, ironically, it kind of goes into this like milky mm-hmm. texture, which is phenomenal. We have our Instamelt makeup wipe slash exfoliator. The, the textured fabric kind of provides like a very, very gentle exfoliation mm-hmm. that's infused with eight ingredients to like gently melt away your makeup. And it literally leaves you so, so soft. Like afterwards, your skin will literally feel baby smooth. I'll give you some after this secret. You have to. <laughs> so good, yeah. Um, we've got our face oil, which sells so well. People love the face oil. There's someone that's bought it like 10 times. I'm like, what are you doing with this oil? Where are you putting it? Still with your body? I love it. I'm like, phenomenal. Thank you. <laughs> Tell your friends. Right. <laughs> the base oil is been a hero because it's not greasy and unlike other oils, it sits super lightweight and it doesn't grow tacky under makeup. So right. it can separate your makeup where a lot of other oils will. You can do a few drops of oil into anything. I usually do a smidge of moisturizer, a few drops of oil and my like foundation and then go all together at once. Oh, mm. but if somebody was a little bit afraid to do that, would you put the face oil after their moisturizer? Yeah, after their moisturizer. Okay. I would put it after my moisturizer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Few drops, perfect primer base, mm-hmm. and it's got nine ingredients and one of the actives in it we get from the south of France, which was maybe what you thought of. And it helps protect against, oh. yeah, it's called blue oleoactive, and it helps protect against air pollution. And um, it's also it's made from rice germ extract. Very cool, great story. Mm-hmm. And then the blue color comes from blue tansy, which is super anti-inflammatory and helps with redness and amazing, amazing, amazing. And then we've got two masks. We've got a clay mask which is the hardest to formulate out of all of them. Our clay mask is 40% clay, so it's super potent. Okay. Super, super potent. Um, that's why it kind of goes a little bit tingly when you wear it. You're like, oh, it's really working and doing something. Mm-hmm. Ten minutes goes a long way. It really helps draw out that congestion and those impurities. And because it's got a base blend of like homoba and marula oil, it's a really nice, like hydrating kind of refreshing finish. So when you wipe it off, you actually feel quite soft and clean, mm-hmm. but also nourished. Love my clay mask. And then we've got our sheet mask, which also dissolves, which we just launched 
It's called the Skin Soothing Shake Mask, and it's got eight ingredients, Bacuchiol, which is a vitamin A, rich plant-based ingredient, Centella Asiatica, which is like a Chinese herb, which was used for centuries. It's used for um, phenomenal anti-inflammatory properties and skin-soothing benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got jojoba oil, sunflower, vitamin E, squalene to trapping moisture. Like Amazing ingredients. Highly recommend. Algae oil, which is really cool, also has really nice skin-soothing mm-hmm. benefits. I feel like Shake Mask is probably one of my most proud formulations, actually. Yeah. Mm, Shake Mask is so good. I used the go-to one last night. Oh, right. It was so nice. Yeah, we should definitely use the Conserving Beauty wipe. I will. Because then you can dissolve your... you still got them or is it sold out? No, we sold out the wipes. Why wipes are being back in stock in two weeks? I won't lie. I put it in the bin after and I was like... Did you feel bad? I felt so bad. I was like... Interviewing Natasha, I don't want to. I need to give you a wee. No, I give you a shit mask up. You need to try it. Amazing. (laughs) You need to try it. Sunday Riley is like congestion, anti aging, amazing. Mm -hmm. And they've like really branded themselves on saving people's skin. And like, it's a miracle. Like, how are you guys actually branding the results? I you know what I mean? I love that. I mean, I haven't like put like a specific like branding, but I would say we're perfect for the sensitized, barrier broken, mm-hmm. sad skin that you so were feeling. Healing, barrier repaired, gentle properties that okay. have like really good impact. Okay. Like we're not the crazy acid yeah. brand. Okay. You know, so it's a little bit of TLC, like nurturing. Yeah. To get you back to pretty much what you once were kind of thing yeah and if you've got really like sensitive or angry or like irritated skin yeah way of red okay way of red but equally if you want like a really good healthy glow like yeah. dewy skin that's also us okay i just want everyone to just fucking back it because i oh my gosh thank you it's so good. i want everyone to back it too i just want everyone to try it and give it give it a go at least but the integrity that you have about building a business first and foremost and then how serious you're taking this and the way that you intend to essentially you can change the beauty industry as we know it based on the i hope we can be a massive positive positive impact in the beauty industry and help inspire water conservation across the board hopefully inspire some positive change yeah yeah this and the standard of what people are expected to bring to the table Absolutely. now, I think will shift. I agree. I think in five years, everyone will be what do you mean you're not managing your water footprint? Or what do you mean you don't have dissolvable makeup wipes? Ooh, yeah. using the old ones as if. Yeah, trailblazing in such a unique way is so, I'm just so proud of you. Thank I you. I love it. I love it. I'm so proud of you. Look what the empire you've done. Hello, <laughs> creative genius. Hello, podcast extraordinaire. <laughs> yes. We've come a long way from dance class. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to go try the product and then I'm going to put it all over the podcast. Please. Everybody has to come down to the office and I'll introduce the team. Okay, great. Try everything. Okay, love you. That brings me to the end of my chat with Natasia. I've put all the Conserving Beauty details in the show notes for you. It's Conserving Beauty on Instagram. You should definitely check out their range. As I'm sure you know by now, they are stocked in Mecca. As promised, this is the new format of Process the Podcast. We're doing one guest episode, which was this one, and then the alternating week is going to be a mini, which is a petite episode with an expert talking about a particular thing that I think will help people along with their creative journey and also selfishly they're helping me along with mine and I am giving you guys a front row seat so the next one is with Casey Benjamin of The Courage Project she is a self-leadership coach for entrepreneurs and professionals it's hit me recently that creatives in particular we're making a wage from our imagination which is really tricky when you think about it and self-doubt that creeps in with that is enormous and often we're just like just do it just go for it just do it sometimes that's really not enough and we need more tools to combat 
self-doubt, overcoming that, and also gain clarity. So I really hope that you guys tune in for the first mini or petite. I love alliteration of petite, a process petite, whatever, but it's a mini, but whatever. I'll call it a petite. I'll call it a mini. Who knows what I'm going to spit out. Basically, I'm just really excited for this chat with her and probably only going to take about 20 minutes. So it's an episode that's easier for you to digest on your commute or wherever you're off to. So if you love this episode, please hit subscribe or share it with a friend that you think would benefit from this candid conversation. Leave a review to let me know that you loved it or DM me and tell me who that you would love to hear from and have on the show. I will see you next Sunday for our chat all about courage.